Amen. What's good to be with you? It, it, uh, if you weren't here yesterday, my name is Ronnie Garcia. I'm, I'm a missionary to uh, Puerto Rico, which is in the Caribbean. And um, this question, this issue, uh, well, let me just say that uh, yesterday and tomorrow it was a little more formal, a little more formal exposition of your word. Really what I want to do today is be super practical and really helpful. So it's going to be a little bit more relaxing. You know, it's a smaller crowd, a few people. Thank you guys. Chocolate credit, I know. Um, so, uh, so thanks, but anyway, thanks. But this issue of uh, discerning your call to missions, it's, it's, not, it's not theoretical for me. I have this, um, I've experienced this deep sense of homelessness. I, I'm not always sure where I belong. Uh, there's this um, missionary biography that I read in seminary that I've thought about over the years so many times. It's really helped me. It's called To the Golden Shore, Life of Adoniram Judson. Let me begin by telling you about this guy. He's this, uh, this life is like beautiful and tragic. He was this tender man in this really fruitful ministry in Burma where he labored for over four decades. Now, before he made his first voyage to India and then later to Burma, he was married to Nancy Hasseltine. Now, I want you to listen in on the letter that Adam wrote Nancy's father when he was going to ask her hand in marriage. Well, listen to this letter. This is what he says. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her? you. Can you consent to all of this? Romantic, right? Two weeks after they were married, they were off to the field. And those things that he warned his father-in-law could happen, did. On the boat ride to India and then later to Burma, Nancy miscarried their first child. Incredibly painful. Soon she would be pregnant with another child, Roger. Roger would die of disease at eight months. Nancy would become pregnant again, this time a little baby girl, Maria. And Maria also would be taken by disease at six months. And in their sorrow, the Anglo-Burmese war broke out, and um, Adnair was dragged off out of his house and put in these death camps for 17 months. Nancy, wanting to uh, support her husband, moved out of the house, moved into the shack inside the prison to support her. He would later be released. Die smallpox. And after his broken heart healed, that's even possible, he would have the courage to marry again. This time, Sarah Boardman. And even Sarah would be overcome by the hardships as she died in a boat on her way to the United States. Now, listen, I'm going to stop there. But if you are anything like me, this is what's going on in your heart. Oh, Lord, no! No! No, no, this is one of the good guys. Why would you let this happen? What about me? I, I didn't sign up for this. Right? Discerning a call to mission has something to do with your ability to sit in the sadness of that question without 
any answers. Not any answers on the side. Why would someone bring out their heart for the gospel? Well, discerning economists has something to do with that. You know, um, a few years ago, I was speaking at a different conference, and it, it just so happened not to be gone for about 10 days. So my wife, Amanda, uh, she'd be your absolute favorite. And um, she, you know, is getting a little bit anxious. She's a little bit anxious because we have like four kids, all born um, like in two and a half years of each other. And so, like, our house is like this zoo, right? Um, in fact, I don't know if y'all know Michael and Mike, uh, my girls have a friendship crush with Michael and she was our camp, camp counselor, their camp counselor. So, I, uh, I have connections with some of you guys sometimes. Um, so, anyway, she's a little bit, my wife's a little anxious, I'm going to be gone for 10 days, the house is a zoo, and so she comes up to me, and maybe her thoughts got a little bit away from her, and she says, um, Ronnie, uh, what if you die? I'm here, like, well, what do I do about if you die? And I'm like, <clears throat> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. She's like, oh, yeah, listen, um, no, look, here's what I want you to do. What she's not saying, what she's not saying is, Oh, poor me, I'll be a widow with four kids. What will I do? Like, that's not actually what she's, she's asking. She's asking me a really practical question. She's asking me this. Where do I bury you? Right? Missionaries understand that this, this is actually a question. Where do I bury you? I mean, I grew up in Houston, but I left when I was 18 years old, never been back. I was a military guy. I traveled all over. I never, I don't have roots in one place. I, most recently, I lived with course in the Caribbean, but it's not like those are my I don't have any family there. Where do I get buried? And um, that question would crush me, right? If, if I didn't, um, uh, if, if I did not have a call, a certain call, because that conversation hints at this. When we decided to be missionaries, we were saying goodbye to a lot of things, right? My kids, they don't grow up with their grandparents. We've had to redefine who our aunts and uncles are. My kids' identity is that they don't really have an identity. They're these third culture kids. There's a few of you like this. I was uh, talking to Nathan yesterday from Kenya. Just really interesting, right? Their, their social understandings. My kids are very similar to that. And there was this one time I was, I was telling Stephanie this, that um, I was... My, Michael, my oldest son, was a little bit younger back then, but we were watching just a baseball game on TV and the national anthem started playing. And my son goes, Daddy, what's that song? Like, what? No! They're like, I'm a military guy. Like, I took battles and oaths. Like, I'm dying for what that flag symbolizes. And my own son doesn't even know the national anthem. Like, it's like crushing, like, you know? When they were, my kids, their self-understanding is like, they, they are like, oh yeah, I'm American, I speak English, but then they come to America and they're like, oh, they're out of place. We were at this barbecue place where you stand in line and they put food on your plate and the, and the lady put up, like beans on his, on my son's plate are all on the place and they all start looking at me. And they're like, that's it? Like, where's the rice? You don't eat beans by itself? You're like, they're like white people are like, yes, you do. And I'm like, no. Latinos are like, don't eat beans without rice. They go, yeah, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's dumb, but it's like, there's this weird homelessness, right? So that question, where would I get buried? If I had to start a real clear calling, that would be impossible for me to answer. But that calling, now not the answers to all of my questions. See, because I'll take all of the suffering, if, if, 
that, that, that congregate will and is enough for me if I know that I'm squarely in the will of God. Like that, that's where I want to be, and that's where I want you to be. Squarely in the will of God. That, that is enough. That's enough. So what I want to do um, this morning is um, kind of take us through some diagnostic questions that I think would help. Uh, and before I do, let me just say that if you're a Christian, you're a missionary. Right? It, it actually defines you. It's not this extra task. This is kind of what I was talking about a little bit yesterday. Um, it's an identity. Now, maybe, as we studied yesterday, you're, you're sitting on a hill, you're offering refuge that people would see your good works and worship your father who's in heaven. Or maybe you're a, a, a lamp or a light that's a little different. Maybe you're like in Luke chapter 15, where there's like this 99 sheep, and you're like, wait, right there, stay, you get your torch, you get your lamp, and you walk off to a different camp to find the one. Maybe that's how you're expressing your missionary life. But what I'm going to do today is probably more of that, right? More foreign missionary. But none of you are excused from actually being missionaries where you're at. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this taxonomy, this rubric of um, internal and external call. So, internal call is like, do you sense a calling? Is it something that you're really interested in? Uh, do you want it? And then an external call would be, what, what do other people say about you, right? Like, like, would they say that you have a calling, or would they say, hey, something didn't settle the breakfast well, that's not the Holy Spirit, that is like the egg, something bad, or something, you know? So, we'll see, you, you be the judge. So, here we are. Um, here's a series of diagnostic questions, we'll begin with internal. And really, this is just helping you have honest evaluation of who you are. Here's the first question. Do you spend time and take interests and foreigners and foreign cultures now. Now, like, don't get cute about this. You're not just gonna move to another country and all of a sudden just love their culture. Like, who are you now? Like, do you, do you, is it interesting to you now? Right? Or are you the guy who's like, no, I like to eat chicken fingers and french fries at every meal, and there's no interest in foreign cultures. Like, don't be that guy, by the way. Um, well, what, what is it? And then let me, let me take some next step. Do you, um, do you, can you deal with the, the cultural assumptions of other cultures, like the, the uh, foreign cultures. Let, let me tell you a story. This was about 2004, I think, at the time. George W. Bush was running for re-election. And there was an intervarsity college, uh, college group who was doing a short-term trip in Peru, and they were meeting up with the intervarsity college students there in Peru. They were from working together. College students from America with college students in Peru, all intervarsity, all Bible-believing evangelicals. They love each other. And, you know, because it was around election time, all the college students, the American college students, were just, you know, talking to themselves about the elections and so on. And it became very apparent that they were all Republican, that they all were pulling for George W. Bush, of course. And um, the Peruvian college students, like, were on this over here, and this then became very apparent. So they went to like the leader, their leaders who were bicultural, knew both cultures, and they said, Are the American students, are they Christians? Like they were doubting their salvation because of how like pro-Republican, pro-Jewish Bush they were. They, they didn't have categories of understand how true Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christians could love George W. Bush. Like, from our perspective, we're like, what? Like, isn't it the opposite? Well, I'm so arrogant. That like political party and everything all goes together. I don't we're a mess, but, but can you see like how they're socially constituted? Their presuppositions about the world are so different 
And, and if that rubs you wrong, if that gives you heartburn, if you can't sit in the tension of that, you might not be seated for four missions. Because that's the real world. That's the real life cultures. Come vastly different understandings of the world. And you need to know that. You need to know this about yourself. So that's the first question. We spend time with foreigners now, and can you sit in the tension of their package? Here's the second question. Okay, I'm going to set you up this one. Do you believe that God will love you more if you become a missionary? Or is God somehow less pleased with you if you decide to be a businesswoman or a teacher or mom? Some people want to become missionaries because they feel guilty and they want to do penance. And you're struggling. And you think if I just become a, a, a missionary, God will be happy with me. And there's this, again, there's this arrogance about us, right? There's this arrogance that Jesus is somehow more pleased with you because you're a missionary instead of the, the, his pleasure flowing through you by the blood of his own son. Listen, if you are not absolutely clear on the basis of which the Lord is pleased with you, and that be Christ and Christ alone, then I'm not actually sure what gospel you would preach once you got to that point. And you've got to be super honest about your motivations. You've got to get this clear in your own heart. Does that make sense? So the next one deals, it's, it's similar, and it's um, this. Are you aware of your own sin? Okay, not, I'm not asking if you know that you sin. I mean, everyone knows that. I mean, I'm not asking if you know that you have uh, struggles with porn or body image, or or if you know that you struggle, that you get more pleasure in getting an A in a class than what the Lord says about you. That would be a sin. See, I'm not actually wondering if you just know that that's true of you, but I'm actually I'm asking you something a little bit more contemplative. And it's, a, it's asking you to like kind of a, assess your own heart about well, what, how does Jesus want to do business with you in a new way? Is there sensitivity to it all? Because here's, here's the thing. When the missionaries get together, you know, the conversation we have, we're like, being a missionary is like pouring miracle grow on your sin. Like, you don't get holier because you're a missionary. Everything gets worse and harder. Really. And Quite honestly, it does not help you to, uh, being a missionary won't help you to be a better person. It just accentuates your sin. It's kind of like um, asking like a guy, an alcoholic, to do ministry at the bar, right? Like, listen, someone's got to do ministry at the bar, but it's not you when you're an alcoholic. You know what I mean? You have follow the logic there? So you need a, a really a gentle, self contemplative understanding of your own heart because honestly, in the field there's just not a lot of resources. Right here, listen, if you're struggling, I know you are. Goodness gracious, I don't care if it's a Christian college, I know your mess. I don't even know you when I know your mess. There's people love you who wouldn't judge you who want to help you. Like, you know, chat below, right? So they'd be like, come on, let's deal with your job. We're doing Go there. Let's get better. People love you. There are resources here, right? But on the field, there's less 
less of that. And so you really got to have a, have a real self-understanding. Not that, not that you're perfect. Don't do what I'm not saying. It's not that you're perfect. It's that you have a little contemplation understanding. You want to get better. You want to invite Jesus to those sacrifices in your heart. And say, hey, Spirit, do, do, do any work in me. Can I follow that a little bit? All right. Here's a, a fourth question in the internal part of this taxonomy. Can you see yourself doing anything else? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, do I sound like the anti-missionary here? Chaplain mom? I don't missionary. I'm pro-missionary. But I'm just saying, can you see yourself doing anything else? Listen, because it's honorable to be a missional Christian in your hometown. Listen, I, I am not a superior Christian to you because I live in Puerto Rico. That is not the case. Now, I don't want you to buy it for a second. It's interesting. The Apostle Paul, right, wrote most of the New Testament, who is like the foreign missionary to the Gentile part of right, the missionary, he, when he's talking to these guys, he's saying, brothers, I urge you to live quietly. This is first Thessalonians 4. Live quietly. Mind your own affairs. Work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders. Right? That's, that's what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, if you are a serious Christian, Nobody really refuses to be a foreign missionary like me. That's not what he says. It's just that there's a calling, right? It's different. Can you all see that? Um, what bothers me is that sometimes in our circles, we unwittingly implement this sacred, secular dichotomy. And so it's the missionaries who are doing God's real work for the rest of you. You know, you're just trying to earn so you can go to church on Sunday and get a little bit false. Don't, don't buy into that, right? All of it belongs to the Lord. All of it needs redeeming. The question is, how's the Lord shaping you and your desires through all of these diagnostic questions that I have that may or may not be helpful? <laughs> all right, so that, that would be an internal, the internal rubric, all right? I do not time. Uh, so here's the external call. I'm trying to do this so that there's time for questions. I'm like chatty patty. Don't give a guy a microphone. It's not the worst. You all can take your naps. It's fine. Just don't get credit. <laughs> external call. What do other people say about your fitness for ministry? Or, or maybe I can say it like this. What would other people feel safe to tell you the truth? Or are you that person that everyone has to walk on eggshells around and they're feeling too honest with you, your feelings get hurt, you're going to the pity party, and no one wants to be honest with you because you're emotionally fragile, because your identity is tied up in your, you know, Whatever it is, tight. What about it? Listen, here, here's the deal. I don't understand you guys at all. I didn't go to college. I went to the Air Force Academy to wear a uniform every single day. There was like one girl to every ten guys. Like, this makes no sense to me. I can't relate to you, so there's that. Um, whatever it is that college kids find their identity in, whatever it is. But here's the thing. Are, do people have to walk on chills around you? Or are you safe? Are you safe? And here's what I just want to ask, because the number one reason why missionaries leave the field 
It's not adultery. It's not porn. It's team conflict. People take themselves way too seriously. Can you be critiqued? Can you be contradicted? Or are you a safe person? Can you go to sleep at night if someone misunderstands you? Now think about that. Can you sleep right if someone misunderstands you? Is that, can you just rest on what God says about you? Or does it just unnerve you? If you are someone who's prone to being unnerved all the time, you're walking time on a mission field. Here's the next one. Is are you um, Certain call here. Are you qualified? So if you discern a call to missions, well, let's just say like there's all kinds of missions. Let's say medical missions or um, dental missions, right? There's all kinds of people all part of this. If you're doing dental missions, like do you know anything about teeth? I mean, do you even floss? Right? You, you expect that if you're doing medical missions, you might know something about the health profession, right? Right? That makes sense. So why, if we're going to go and bring God's word and teach, why do we think we can just go because we did like a, a weekend conference? Like, study God's word, know it, love it. But listen, the whole the theological landscape of the world is a wreck because people go out, mischiefs go out there recklessly, not knowing how to rightly handle the word of God. So you need to swim in it, you need to love it. And if you want to be a missionary long term, are you willing to take the next step and get equipped, especially theologically? That would be a big deal. So you need to know that about yourself. All right, I'll, let me just say one story. This is horrifying. Um, I was in Costa Rica, and I was with about 100 missionaries from all these different uh, you know, agencies, and we were kind of all getting together because we wanted to do this like little kids camp or whatever, and we wanted to teach the books of the Bible to these kids. And so you know, I asked what I thought was an obvious question. I was like, hey, everyone knows the books of the Bible, right? I mean, we're going to start in Genesis, and we're going to end in Revelation. Right? Books of the Bible were missionaries. No one knew the books of the Bible. Like, they had these programs, and they had to do these, like, little tools, but no one actually knew the books of the Bible. And that's, like, the leading tip of the swimmer for missionaries. Like, this is a problem. Swim in God's word. Know it. Be willing to prepare yourself if, indeed, you are sensing a call to missions. All right, and um, here's another one in the, in the realm of um, preparation. Do you like languages? Do you like languages? Or does it just stress you out when you go to the Mexican restaurant and they're like speaking to you in Spanish? Does that stress you out? Because if it does, maybe you're not cut out for foreign things. I'll just throw it out there. Um, listen, no matter how eloquent you are in English, Unless that, that message is, is transmitted through a language, unless you can get around it, is language is the great pleasure. So, do you have like this desire to learn a language? Oh, no, which not every country is going to require this, right? But if you do go to England, you have to know what a loo is. What's a loo anyway? I'm not ashamed. Um, but y'all see that you gotta learn. And so, um, learning a language is. It is really stressful. So you again, self on it, like self assessment. You got to know yourself. You got to know your heart. Um, but, it, but if it excites you, if language acquisition is something that 
excites you, then that would be more confirmation that you discern, right? It's more than just breakfast. We're more than just hearing an inspirational talk by a chair. Right. All right. And the last thing is, before we get to questions and answers, if that's all right, um, is this concept of a delay call. A delay call. You might, in this moment, actually feel like, yeah, I think I do want to become a missionary. But, but receiving the call and actually carrying it out, um, you need to appreciate that it doesn't always happen at the same timeline. So, for example, um, I get a sense uh, calling to mission, missions when I was your age in college. Then I graduated and I became an officer in the Air Force. And I was actually in the professional world for years. And that was incredibly formative and helpful for me. It actually helped me to be a better missionary. Because it began to change my questions, right? So, the guys who are coming right out of, um, the, the guys coming right out of uh, college and going to seminary, they were like, how do you reconcile predestination and free will? I was like so over that question. Like what I'm interested in, I know y'all are like in coffee shops talking about these things, like get over it already. <laughs> what I'm interested in is how to comfort a wife whose husband went down in a plane right outside of Baghdad. Right? That, that's, that, that's what I want to know. It changes your questions. I should learn how to be um, a more skillful missionary pastor because of that professional experience. Remember King David was anointed but he didn't become king until years later. Right? He was called, but that called Or think about the Apostle Paul, Acts 9 comes. He doesn't actually fulfill his calling until 14 years later. Right? And so actually, I want y'all to be patient with God's timeline. Now, maybe you have a calling right now, but appreciate that timeline. So, um, so that's internal, external. I will pause there and open it up to you. We have no plans, no questions. I've been planted. So you have to have a lot of courage, or have you actually heard this and it's way to have any questions. So I am open if you guys have any questions. Alright, let's start with it. Could you Been married in 
wife is now a widow, and she asks a very, very honest question. Why? Why did this happen? Here's what I want you to know. It's not the answer to that question. I will bring her comfort. Even, even if I could pull out of the sky, not can, but even if I could pull out of the heavens some answer that just makes sense to her, that wouldn't comfort her. She doesn't want an answer. She wants her husband back. Does that make sense? And so in that moment, what we offer is the ministry of presence. We just weep with her. We get mad with her. We offer our indignation. Because we live in a fallen world where this shouldn't happen. And, we, and we're just begging for Jesus to come back and make this untrue. And so I would just dignify her pain and her anger and so on. Because it's not answered ultimately that she wants. She wants her husband. And so I get to tell her that there's a day where it'll be untrue. The dead will come. We'll rise again. So it's going to be hard to formulate this question, but when, for example, I feel really attracted to, not attracted, but really special attraction to African culture, and I have always liked an Asian too. So I don't know when is like the right time to go there, or I don't know, like, do I have to wait for something to happen? I don't know. But when is the right time to act upon it and actually like go there? Okay, can I ask you a few questions? Okay, what's your name? Sophie. Sophie, where are you from, Sophie? I'm from Nicaragua. Nicaragua! Bienvenida, que bueno verte. Yes. Que bueno. Hey, you know, uh, Latino cultures have a lot of um, affinities, right, with African yeah. and Muslim cultures. So, missiologists say that Latinos are better suited for missions to Africa and Muslim cultures than white really? cultures. Yeah. Because um, when we're late and stay late, no one has a problem. White people are like, oh, I'm to know. Right? You know what I'm talking about. I can see it. All right, here we go. Good one. Hey, I'm so, so good. I'm so glad to know you. Oh, my goodness. This is so great. Like, we've got connection now. All right, here we go. Um, what year are you? I'm a freshman. You're a freshman. So here's what I'm doing. If I mean, if I were just like past, if I'm your pastor, this is not what I'm saying. Hey, God has you here. Get a good education, and you're going to get a world-class education here. All of you guys are super smart nerds. <laughs> super smart. I'm secretly super proud of you, but I can't tell you because your head will get really big. But I love it. I love all of you. I just really proud. I'm so encouraged by you guys. Um, finish up. Get, get a good education. That that this will be part of shaping who you're becoming to bless. Or but between now and then, see if you can't do some short-term missionaries, and not just like where you're going to build a house for someone, but go and actually live with missionaries who are there long-term, so you can see how ordinary their life is. See, a lot of you guys have done short-term mission trips, and it's like, you do like, I don't know, like camp or something like that, but like, I don't do camps every week. I'm just, I actually live an ordinary life in San Juan Puerto Rico, right? And so I want you to feel what what it feels like to do in the ordinary, to live an ordinary life in a foreign culture. And so there are missionaries, so I would just like team up, like spend a week or two or a month during your summers with them. And, and, and when it's all said and done, that, that sense of this culture will become more clear and more acute. Or you're like, no, honestly, I'm just, I'm loving my English major or whatever I'm studying, you know. And, and at a time, 
and experience will actually help sort that out. That's how it works. And I think you're going to understand this, like in Latino culture, we, like the Christians, believe that you have to have like a specific calling, like once in a lifetime, like a tangible experience with God for him to tell you, like, you need to go there, you know? So I grew up with that perspective, and now that I'm like thinking about it, I'm like, do I have to wait for that? Or, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. It, like, well, where is this ecstatic experience where God just says it? No, right? Most of it is he just, he's going to shape your desires and your longings and desires and just walk in it through his providence. And I want you to progress. That, that's, that's a better way. Because what happens is if you think you've heard the voice and then it doesn't work out, then, then you're in really a pickle. Great, great, great. Let's get a master's in 